Angela Fazio is an industry powerhouse who has overseen 40,000 homes sold and 9 billion in production. And Kristen Cantrell is one of the nation's most accomplished team leaders, helping thousands of agents build their businesses. They are passionate about educating, encouraging, and empowering moms in real estate. Our next episode starts now. Okay, hello everyone. Welcome to Moms in Real Estate. I'm Angela Fazio. And I'm Kristen Cantrell, and today we are interviewing one of my friends, Elizabeth Fay, and we got connected, you guys, because she spoke at Angela and I's first, uh, our second Flourish event. Was it the second or the third? I don't know, but you guys, Elizabeth had 175 women crying uh-huh. in the first 10 minutes of our <laughs> our conference, which was awesome because it was a good cry, not a bad cry. It was a good cry, and I had, with all transparency, I was like, we're going to do breath work. Woo. woo. And by the end, I was like, this is so cool. (laughs) So Elizabeth, we're so happy to have you on our podcast. Why don't you get us started and tell us a little bit about yourself? Hi, so happy to be here. Absolutely love what you're doing. I always like, I had a few friends be like, wait, you're at a real estate event. And I'm like, it's kind of like a hair love for real estate agents. So yes. I own a company called Hair Love. My name is Elizabeth Fay, and we run a community that is all about education and connection actually in the beauty industry. So that's why I'm always like, they're kind of like a hair love, but for female entrepreneurs and real estate agents and like that world. And so I like- Well, here's why is because you looked at hair as the vehicle to do all of your passion projects. And we look at real estate as the the vehicle to do all of our passion projects. That's why it aligns. Yeah. So I love what you guys are doing and it's similar to what I do in a different way. But um, yeah, I run Hair Love. I am a coach, a retreat host, podcast host. I just became a TEDx speaker. I have a book I've been working on. And so I sit in thought leadership, transformation work. That's, That's my world that I live in. And my work's kind of changed from being in the education space for hair to then business to then business mindset. And then in 2019, it turned into something totally different when I went through a big personal healing journey and then started my study and becoming a trauma-informed life coach and somatics and all sorts of like nervous system healing and hypnotherapy. And it just kind of changed what I was, the way in which I was doing what I was doing. So I still coach just in a different way. And that's what I do. Elizabeth, you are so boring. <laughs> you're boring. Why don't you do something? Well, and you're, it's, it's really cool just hearing you go through that because you have literally just like had like so many different seasons throughout your business and each one like took you to the next thing, to the next thing, to the next thing. And you're only 30. Am I right? Yeah, I turned 31 in June. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, she's gosh. a baby. So it's like, it's so cool <laughs> to hear you do all this stuff. And I know it wasn't always easy. Um, so will you share with our audience, like, how did you even start out? Yeah. <laughs> Where the hell do we even start? Um, my journey has <laughs> been such a, I mean, all of our journeys are wild, but I love to look back at our journeys. I share this actually in my book. So I talk about, there was a healing retreat that I do every year in Tulum. And it's one of my favorite things I do. And we do a Temescal ceremony, which is a really sacred sweat lodge experience. And I have a shaman I work with in Tulum. She's incredible. And a Temescal, it's, um, it represents mother's womb. So you're in the dark. It's really hot. You're sweating your ass off, essentially. And you're going through this beautiful experience. And at the end, we crawled out. 
laid in the sand. And when you've been in the dark for a while, like the stars look even brighter. They look even right juicier. Like they're just like, they look like glitter in the sky. And I remember looking up and being like, wow, these stars literally look like someone took a paintbrush and glitter and just splattered them. And they're just everywhere scattered. And they almost look random. And as I laid there, I was like, no, we know stars are not random, right? We know about astrology and that's how we know weather and it affects the tides and how we harvest and so much information from the night sky. And I was like, wow, our lives are like that. It looks random. All of these like things that happen, hard, good, bad, sad, challenges, redirections. And you can look back and connect the dots and go, holy shit. Look how guided, look how connected, look at the preparation, look how this never would have happened if it weren't for X, Y, and Z. And so I love to look back at my own story that way and other people's stories because we can all connect dots, right? You can relate to that and say, wow, I would have never, right, have started Flourish or this or that if it had not been for X, Y, and Z in my life. And thank you. And so mine is just like everyone else is a lot like that. And I was a really troubled youth kid, drugs, self-harm, running away, all sorts of sexual and substance things I was getting into. And um, my parents were sending me away to different homes or schools to knock it off, to get my shit together. And one of the schools I was sent to I ended up cutting and coloring my hair in a way that would be distracting, which is a whole other conversation for another day that that used to be a thing in schools, right? That you had to have your hair a certain way. But so I'd get kicked out and I was kicked out. I was expelled. And as I was waiting for my parents to pick me up, a woman handed me a business card for a hairdresser. And she said, call him. You should call him. And that is, right, what a moment from the universe to be like, well, how many times are we given a business card? Or someone says, call me, come on my podcast, collaborate with me. If you need something, let me know. Or you should really do this. Or those little pings and ideas. And I did. I called. I made the appointment. I came to the salon. I plopped down in the chair. And like protocol, I shared every detail of my life. That's what we do in a hairdresser's chair. (laughs) And the hairdresser learned that I was a very troubled kid who needed love. And we connected really deeply. I thought hairstylists were just such rock stars. I was just enamored by their, their expression and their weirdness and their just, you know, just being like who they are. And when I left, my dad was upset about the price of the mandatory color correction and was like, absolutely not. You're not coming back here. No chance in hell, but I had to go back and I was like determined to go back and it wasn't because of the highlight or the color or the bangs. It was the way I felt in the salon. I Mm. felt heard. I felt seen. I felt beautiful. I felt loved. And those were things I didn't feel at church or home or school. And so I saved my money to go back, came back to the salon six months later And I put a bunch of money on the table and he said, put it away. And he made a deal with me that if I would come back to the salon with a report card with better grades, he would do my hair complimentary. Love that. And he did that for me until I was 16 years old. And I would come back. I would come back with a report card and it totally changed my life. And it's what led to my career in the beauty industry 
And it was the only thing, like that feeling was the only thing that made me be open or willing to try a little harder to see things a little differently because I wanted to feel what I felt in the chair. I wanted to feel what I felt with my hairdresser. And when I was 16, I didn't have a report card. I ended up dropping out of high school. And he said, how about a job? And I took the job. So I became an assistant. I started sweeping hair, getting people drinks, bags, shampooing hair, whatever they wanted me to do. And it led to a really beautiful career in the beauty industry where I had a lot of incredible mentors and education has been a big part of my career since I was two, just getting 16, but like literally so young to start in the career, but I did, but that's really what kicked off uh, my journey in the industry. And it's why I have such a heart for the industry and I have such a heart for helping leaders really be like live at their highest human potential because I'm like, no matter what it is you do, right? You sell cookies, you sell hair, you sell houses, you sell yourself, right? All of it. (laughs) It's like all of that is if you can be really good at what you do, you can be really well, you can, you know, get your business shit unlocked, your finances unlocked, your heart unlocked, your nervous system unlocked, you get to be of the highest service, which is making others feel heard, seen, and loved. And that's the impact. That's why people choose to buy a house from you. They choose to get a highlight from you. They choose you to be on their stage. There's a million speakers. There's a million haircutters. There's a million real estate agents. Why you? And it's the way we make people feel and the capacity at which we can hold for others that allows us to do that. And so I got to tell you, Elizabeth, I'm so glad that your story was as long as it was, because there is probably, I'm not even kidding with you. There's probably like three minutes I couldn't breathe. I would not have been able to speak. That is. I know. That's so good. That is such a good story. I feel like I'm always learning something new too, because I didn't even know all that about you. Mm. Like I knew little pieces of your story and that was just, that's crazy. So I have a question for you. You become a successful hairdresser. How do you start looking at that industry as your vehicle to do these other things? And now I, I think it was the other day you were saying like, you haven't even done hair in a long time. So how did it, how did your career path kind of take a, a change and shift into all these other directions that you've gone? Yeah, that's a great question. So the quick, I'll give the answer, but I'll give a quick resume version was a hairdresser for almost 10 years, just sold my salon, shy of seven years of owning it. So I'm now retired salon owner stylist and was a beauty school teacher for four. Obviously these overlapped. Like I was doing, I'm not 80. So like I've been doing these things, like was owning salon, doing hair, teaching same time. And so everyone's like, wait, you're 30. I'm like, you can have more than one job at once. Um, (laughs) (laughs) and then, um, And education's kind of been weaved throughout it all. So I started with this salon that was very education-focused. So I was assisting educators in the beauty industry. So I had to start being at hair shows and schools and a lot of these places from the beginning as well as behind the chair. And I just saw how much education unlocked human potential. Like I saw... And that's literally part of our company now. I'm like, education unlocks human potential. And it's like, if we can be a key in someone's life to unlock their potential, they get to change the world. And 
So I just watched myself and all these hairdressers like coming from nothing and then driving beamers and like taking their kids to Disneyland and loving what they do. And it was just like, holy shit, this like person who came from nothing is living such a beautiful life and they're having kids and driving nice cars and going on family trips. And it just was an eye opener to me. And so I watched and was student to a lot of it. And then I was a beauty school teacher on the side for years. And so I was in education, facilitation training, um, and helped students for a lot. So that was a lot of like my passion for education came in being in an education focused company with hair and then being a beauty school teacher. And then I didn't go independent until I had to actually, I ended up getting pregnant as a surprise (laughs) and, um, I couldn't afford... Is it really a surprise? I mean, is it really a surprise when we get pregnant? <laughs> Not to me, but the universe and God were like, tis, tis the next step. Yes. <laughs> Here we go. Fully guided, but, but shocked nonetheless. Um So I ended up not being able to afford to be an employee of the salon I was an employee for and be a beauty school teacher with what I was making. I was capped out at my commission rate and I was making, I think, $12 an hour as a beauty school teacher and I started at nine. And so I just couldn't live off of working six, seven days a week and have a newborn. So I was forced to go independent. So that was when I went booth rental and started a blog and started teaching independently and not with the Paul Mitchell company anymore or the salon. So I was kind of like forced, you know, and I began that journey and I just started really tapping into my community, salon owners I knew, local beauty schools. It was nothing fancy. And I started just doing workshops for years. And I ended up doing that for four years. I taught over 200 workshops and I got to go to places I never thought I could go like New York and Hawaii and Alaska and also places in Idaho and random towns in the South. And I created a really big community, one person at a time, 20 person events at a time. And I did those for four years and just would get referred to the next salon owner. They go, oh, this salon would love to have you or this salon. And it just became like a workshop-based education business. And then that's where digital came is people were like, oh, what about courses? And, and you know, there were failed workshops before the workshops worked. Like I shared that in one of my thing. Like that is so many failed workshops I had to force people to come to. And there were some workshops that didn't sell out and I still did them. And there were some that were huge and I still did them. And my courses took a few years to get off the ground for many reasons, but a lot of them were no one bought them. <laughs> so <laughs> that would be the biggest reason of all. <laughs> Dang it. <laughs> also, like there was no Kajabi and it was like on a USB. Like there were just some other logistics <laughs> that made it difficult. So I was trying to like swindle people into buying a USB. Um <laughs> And I wasn't like cool enough to know how to put it on a CD. So like, you know, we were just (laughs) figuring it out. So I just kept fucking showing up and figuring it out. And I think I never took a failure as like a sign that it wasn't working. I just took it as an opportunity to like pivot or tweak or try again. And like, I knew it's all part of a bigger creative process. And so... I just, I guess I never put all my eggs in one basket. I was like, it's okay. Like, we're going to try this. Maybe we'll switch from a USB to like 
a PDF and maybe we'll put it on a video on YouTube. And like, we just tried different things. Thank God for Kajabi now and other things like that. Like course creators, I know you have more competition now, but for the love of God, you have so many more tools. So I don't feel bad for you. <laughs> and you have coaches. Like I give my clients, I'm like, you have my SOPs, my templates, the roadmap, like you can't like you fucking failing is truly a mindset thing and we can deal with that too. So it's like all the things are out there. And so anyways, that's what really I did for years was workshops. So I did hair, owned a salon, did Instagram, worked with brands. I ended up um, becoming Redkin's first global ambassador and created their ambassador program. I was with them for six years. And I, in the meantime, got the opportunity to work with Oh, hell, everybody. Biolage, Sugar Bear Hair, Joyco, Kenra, Salon Centric, all the big names. And um, in the midst of all of that, I ended up deciding to create Hair Love as a passion project, which later led to my healing journey. So that's long story short, how I got to where Hair Love started, I guess. I, you Please tell me that your parents know the story that you've told us the way you've told it. I would fucking hope so because it's recorded in a lot of places. Okay, good. good. <laughs> I don't. I'm going to be your mother, and if I didn't hear that that kind of a beautiful story from my daughter, I'd be I'd be missing something. Oh, maybe I'll show her the podcast just in case. Yeah. <laughs> okay, okay, good. Oh my gosh! So I know, like, how did you just keep showing up? I know a lot of people struggle with that. So like you put out a course and nobody bought it, and so obviously you have this like oh boohoo me right and but yet you were like no I'm gonna keep going I'm gonna keep showing up I'm gonna keep trying which is why you ended up as successful as you did so what would be some tools that you'd give people that feel like I keep trying and nothing's happening mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so here's your edge in business it's trust Trust is your secret sauce. It's your edge. It's why I'm so passionate about nervous system healing is when we don't feel safe to trust in our body. It's really hard to trust ourselves. It's hard to trust God, universe, divine, whatever you work with, your people around you in your life. And so I would say, you know, do showing up for your inner work is the secret. It really is the secret to being able to do something and not experience as much struggle or hardship or because it's it, there's going to be pain there's going to be challenges that part is literally like buddha says the pain is inevitable the struggle is optional and so it's like if we could opt out of that wouldn't that be great and so i think it's starting to see the perspective of when that happens it's asking better questions of what can i learn here what is this showing me you know, and being like bringing some lightness and playfulness to it, especially my entrepreneurs I work with now, they're usually creating something that they don't have to fucking create. So I remind them, I'm like, no one's making you make a goddamn course. No one is making you do this. <laughs> you do hair, you pay your bills, right? You sell houses. No one's making you build a community. No one's making you do flourish. You chose to do it. And coming back to why are you doing it? What is it in your vision in your life that is so damn important that you're willing to do events even when they lose money, that you're willing to sit on this podcast with me and no one's paying you, that you're willing to connect with women that there's no financial gain from? Like, what is the gain? What is the heart gain? What is the soul gain? What is the big picture financial gain? Like, why? And when we can come back into that, you're either going to learn that your why isn't actually important enough to you to do it and you can let it the fuck go and say, okay, I don't actually care about this and I don't have to care about this. 
or I do care about this, what would make this more fun, more possible, more available, more like how can I put patience on this, trust on this, and just play with it a little bit more? Oh, I love that. How do you put patience on this? I love that. We need patience. Yeah, we do for sure. I mean, I feel like we keep we, going we're all the no. time. Yeah, we don't give up. No. I, I know why I do this because there is it would have been possible for me to meet someone like you if we did not put ourselves out there to do things like this. Yeah. And then this, I would be at a loss. So true. Yeah. This podcast puts us in front of so many amazing women. Yep. It is I such an opportunity. That opportunity. So true. Especially I'm an introvert. So if I'm an introvert, how am I going to do this unless you do things that make you look like an extrovert? <laughs> I'm just an extrovert, so I don't know. <laughs> I love that so much. I, I'm more of an introvert, too, so I get that. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm going to tell you a fun fact about Kristen. Please, I want to know all Right now, that. she has a wad of chewed gum on top of her water <laughs> on bottle. On my Stanley. <laughs> I love that. I'm going to be smacking this on the podcast. <laughs> Are you going to chew it again later? Mm-hmm. Okay, there's another fun fact. She will chew that shit again later. <laughs> That's the most important message we've gotten on today's episode. I will put it on top of my water bottle. I won't chew it again later, though. <laughs> I might. It depends because I just put it in and then I was like, ah, oh, I'm podcasting. It's fresh. Maybe if it's real fresh. Yeah. It's real fresh, like two minutes in. Fresh. Okay. I guess it, like more than like 10 minutes in, that's a no go. Mm. No, that's a no. <laughs> And yeah, that's and depending on the brand. I we mean, don't even have to play our game with her because that was like that was better it. than our game. That's true. <laughs> Although okay. I still want to. Okay, I do want to talk about your TEDx process because it is so intriguing because I had no idea it was that intensive. And watching you go through that and listening to what you've said about it, I'm like, dang, that's a that's a big deal. So big how deal. tell us about like what made you want to be a TEDx speaker and then what was the process like for you? So cool. Great question. So this is fun. Again, star maps, right? All the star maps vibes connecting the dots. So I made a movie. It is on Amazon Prime. It's called Hairstylist Change the World. It was a four-year project. Talk about a creative, like it was the representation of creating something creative. No one made me do it. I wanted to do it. Self-funded. I wrote it, like worked with a crew of talented, creative people to birth it. A lot of doing a movie is writing. It's storytelling. There's an arc. I'm writing a book and just did a TEDx and the movie there. They all have a lot of similarities actually. And so it's a lot of writing, storytelling, a lot of heart work, a lot of throat chakra work, like really like what is it that you want to say and the end result is the expression. So a movie is an expression of a message, a book is, a TED, etc. So a lot of the movie was, what do you want to fucking say? Like you're freaking producing a six-figure independent film that no one's making you do. Why? What? Who? And in that process, you come down to something very potent and simple. And a TEDx is the definition of something very simple, very potent, very short. And so I worked with lots of different people in different ways, depending on where I was in my process. And one of the people I worked with, all she does is help you nail your purpose. That's it. It's like a one or two call thing. That's only all she does. And she works with a lot of TED speakers, authors to just be a part of their process so they can come into their heart when then they go do all the other things, right? So she was part of the writing process along with many other people. 
And she was like, you should do a TED. Like, you should take this idea and do a TED. And I was like, no, I'm doing a movie and a book. And she's like, and you might as well do a TED. Like, you've already written. You've come into your heart space. Like, all the work's here. And I was like, that feels hard. Like, I don't know if I could do that. And then one of my very best friends did a TED. And then a few of my co-coaches in my program. So I started being surrounded by people who had done their TEDs. And um, so I felt like, okay, if my friends can do it, I can do it. Like, this is... It's in my paradigm now as a possibility, right? And so that expanded me to it and I just started thinking about it. And then I was in Greece, sitting in the pool, and I got an email that said, a chapter of TED is coming to your local area and we're gonna have our first ever event in your area. And it was at one of the schools I was sent to as a troubled youth teen. And I thought- No kidding. Shut the fuck up. I'm doing a TED. (laughs) So I applied for the TED. And here's the deal. You don't just apply for a TED. You got to know your idea. You got to have your talk. There's an audition process. Like there's a lot of work before the audition. But I had been doing that work for the movie. So then at that point, I took what we had and called some of my other friends and said, how do I make this into a TED audition? And we structured it to be TED appropriate. So we submitted it. I made it through two rounds of the audition. I didn't get chosen. I said, that's okay. And a lot of people, what they do is just submit to all the TEDs that they want to go to, and one of them will say yes, right? So you just kind of audition until you get it. I really wanted to do it here. So I said, I'm going to keep auditioning here because this means something to me to do it where I live in a place. There's a lot of things here, right? I grew up here. I was sent here. A lot of stuff. So I was like, this matters more to me in this way. And to me, it's not about the goal. It's the way in which I experience this outcome. Because that's all I have is my experience. And so I kept applying. They did a women's event. I didn't get asked. And then the other one came up and I applied again. And I applied again and I made it through one round. And then I made it through to the second round. So I was chosen. And so you're like, great. So we have this process. So you do all that ideation, the audition. You basically have your talk 80% done. By the time you've auditioned, you better have your fucking shit together. Or they're not going to choose you, right? Because they're seeing what is it we're putting on your stage. And TED is, it's not politics. It's not spiritual. It's not motivation. um, It's not religious. It's not, there's a lot of things it can't be. It's supposed to be an idea worth talking about. Or something that goes, huh, I never thought about it that way. It's supposed to be like a big thought or simple thought that's simple but big. Everything has to be fact-checked. It has to be legit. Like there's a lot of things. Like even if like I can only say so many facts, they're like, oh, you're not really a doctor. Maybe you shouldn't say things like that. Like there's a lot of things. And a hairdresser on a TEDx stage isn't really like, I'm not a doctor. I'm not a scientist. And they don't even really want coaches on a stage. And I'm both of those things. <laughs> so because coaches are there to self-promote, right? They're there to grow their thought leadership. And TED isn't like trying to help you do that. They're trying to grow thought leadership, but not your thought leadership, like world global thought leadership. So they're really particular about how many coaches they put on a stage too, because they know we all want to do it, but they also don't want just a stage with a bunch of coaches. So They're going to have, you know, someone who was a refugee and someone who invented something and a doctor and someone talking about disease and someone talking about science. And then they'll throw in one or two coaches and make you do a coach approved talk. Right. 
So I got to be on. So you're fighting not only to have a good talk, but it has to be Ted appropriate, but it also has to be an idea worth sharing for Ted and it has to fit with the lineup and it has to fit with the theme. So there's a lot of things that have to play. So you might have a great talk, but you might not match the lineup. Does that make sense? Yes. Mm -hmm. So um, I got the spot, um, was so excited, and then begins the process of refinement. And so then you're really crafting each word, each sentence, because it's short. Mine's like five minutes and 50 seconds. So it's really potent and short to get the whole thing across. And a lot of whittling down, a lot of taking stuff out, like killing, what they got? You kill your darlings when you're writing. You write everything, then kill the darlings. You like XXXXX. So a lot of whittling down and that's a whole, that's a whole process. And then there's the tonality and the pacing and the inflection of how you want it to come across. And then Ted's different where you stand on a dot and you don't move. So you're just on a dot. It's not like a normal talk where you might talk. A lot of people don't even have slides with Ted unless it really adds value. So you're fully fucking memorizing it. And it's not an intuitive process. You fuck up a line, <laughs> the next line might not make sense. So it's That's like right. it's, short. Yeah. This is not like when I'm doing breath work and I can just channel information. Like, absolutely not. This is like rehearsing something and you have to put it in your body and your heart and know it. So there's the memorizing, the what you're gonna wear. <laughs> it's the whole thing. It was so fun, but it was a it's a layered process. And um, so I worked with people with writing, people with speaking, and then the energetics of like really getting into my heart. I did vocal training for like opening up my throat, um, just opening up my throat chakra and my heart. You know, I, I speak as well in other places. So I knew it would be beneficial in other areas. Mm -hmm. And so I probably wouldn't have gone that hard if I wasn't like a speaker in all other ways. But um, I'm on a podcast. I write a book. I coach. I fucking talk all the time. So I did that. And um, and I just really tried to make it as fun as I could. Because I feel like a process like that can be really daunting. daunting. Yeah. Yes. And I know a lot of people who didn't enjoy the process. I, I don't know that I know very many people who did. And I was hell-bent to have fun with it, and I did. I genuinely had fun, but it took two years, and I think the spaciousness actually added to the fun. And I think the um, having help was fun. I think laughing with my coaches. I think just really trying to make it fun, wear an outfit I really wanted, celebrate it, invite people to be involved in it. You meet a bunch of weird people who are speakers with you and they're so cool and different and unique and like making those connections with community you would never have. So I just really tried to savor like your sweet friend said at the event, just the whole thing because it's a... It's a big experience, and it was really fun. I had a blast. So, I, I had no idea there was so I know. much to go into. It's, it. That's what when she told me, I'm like, it is so absolutely. Intensive. I had absolutely no idea. So we're gonna have to put in the notes. And if you ever want to be a TEDx speaker, you need to listen all the way through <laughs> <know>. this one. <laughs> I know. We'll actually have to put your it, there's you because we can watch it on YouTube, right? Yeah, it's not out. It goes to TED headquarters. It'll they make sure it's pre-approved before, and then. They will put it on their final channel. Then you can share it. So hopefully it's out by the time this is out. 
Oh, sweet. If it is, we'll put it on. So let's wrap up by kind of just let everyone know, like, what's next for you? Oh, hell. I don't know. What's next? <laughs> the next girl in- invest in yourself retreat in September. Hopefully. <laughs> That's what's next. <laughs> um, You're part of the traveling gang, so. <laughs> is it in Arizona? We're going to do it in Northern California. Okay. So like San Fran area? I don't know. I got to ask Barb. You'll have to let me know dates because we have one of our retreats in September too. So you'll have to let me know and we'll see. Okay. Um, All right. We'll see the energy levels available. Um, But our last (laughs) one was so fun. It was so good. So fun. Everyone should go. Um, What's next? Just helping my clients. I mean, I spend a lot of time just coaching and working with other educators and stylists. And so I'm working on that and just just creating and writing and yeah just kind of doing my thing yeah you definitely don't have a lack of things no yeah i'm like i'm not adding i'm just maintaining what we got going on you know i love that well you've been awesome we so so appreciate you coming on and i really enjoy i've really enjoyed that yeah me too yeah so would you Um, ever do a tedx after hearing that no no Oh, <laughs> I wouldn't have before you told me that. So that's not on my bucket list. It's so funny because I'm an extrovert and that sounds like absolute, like I just couldn't do it. I don't know. Maybe one day. Ask me down the road. I'll ask you next time. Well, love you both. This was fun. Thanks. You Thanks too. Thanks for listening, you guys. All right. We'll see you later.